Last week, we uh, dove into this new series called These 40 Days, and it was actually written by um, the, the different curriculum and material, and the, the, the themes were written by uh, Jaron Rao, who's the president of Nazarene Theological Seminary, and when we were in Kansas City, uh, when we worked in Olathe, he was our district superintendent, and a uh, good, good man, uh, great heart for God. Um, and he's done a great job with this, um, with this time. And uh, I wanted to start off today just by reading um, what we're, we're diving into, the, the Beatitudes, a way of living. And this is from the message, which is just a paraphrase it, of, of the Scripture, but it says it in a powerful way today. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel lost when you've lost what, you, what, you most, what is most dear to you, only then can you be embraced by the, one, by the one who is most dear to you. You are blessed when you're content with, with just who you are, no more and no less. That's the moment when you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. And then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you, are, who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when, you commit, when your commitment to God provokes persecution. Persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you or just to discredit me. What it, is, what it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable because of it. You can, you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all of heaven applauds. And now that you are in good, and know that you are in good company, my prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Amen? So we are, uh, how many of you like to argue? You how many of you like to debate? Is that a little less harsh, right? You don't have to raise your hand, and please don't look at anybody, all right? Um, but it's something that we kind of it, live around, don't we? So what's it called when you disagree angrily with someone or a group of other people? Think about that. What, what does that mean? What is that called? What is it called when you, comp- when you competitively oppose the actions of somebody else? What does it mean when it, or what is it called when you oppose or contradict the ideas or character of another person or maybe a group of people? What does that sound like? It's conflict. Conflict. All those things define conflict. Conflict is this angry disagreement between people or a group of people. All right? That's kind of how we're going to revolve around it today. So as we move through the rest of the day, think about, um, think about 
what conflict means. Hold on just a second. We're going to have a a technical difficulty here in just a moment, so Dylan's going to help me. But uh, we're going to carry on. So angry disagreement between groups of people or just individuals, all right? Conflict. And every word in this, de- in this definition pretty much sums up our world today. Would you agree? Okay. So angry. Does anybody know any angry people? Raise your- Are you an angry person? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? All right. How about disagreement? Have you ever seen, have you seen disagreement in your life lately? A little bit, yeah, maybe even this morning, I don't know. It's everywhere, uh, between groups and people, all right? We have this conflict between, we can have conflict between two people, between one person and seven others, between 20 people, another 20 people. It's just, it's never ending. And uh, social media conflict is everywhere. You can, you can be in conflict with somebody and never even know who they are. That's what social media has done. That we can degrade and take, take apart somebody. Uh, thank you, sir. You're a lifesaver or a power saver, one or the other. Both. You're awesome. Thank you. And, um, and so social media, it drags us there, right? It, it takes us right down to... Um, are worst. There's, uh, there's irrelevant things that are discussed angrily. There's conflict on TV. Now, it's, it's kind of the sign of our time. Evidently, that's what's um, popular. But you, no, matter what, what, no matter what station you watch, if it's ESPN on sport, all about sports, or CNN, or Fox News, or if, whether it's The View, or it's Good Morning America, or whatever the case is, Every format is people sitting around a table or there's a screen full of three or four people and they're having an argument. That's what it is. Over, I mean, ESPN, I was, watch, I was eating breakfast the other day watching ESPN and these two guys were going at it about some basketball game the night before. Totally irrelevant to the world, but they were screaming at each other. And TV, it thrives on these talking heads, right? The more uh, heated the discussion, the more popular it is. The more conflict there is, and it's, it's embraced. We live in a world of conflict. Think about the news. When, you, when the first, what, the news is usually 30 minutes, the first, what, 26 of it is bad. It's conflict. It's somebody did this to somebody else. The good stories always seem to be pushed to the very end after the weather and after the news and if we have time, we'll tell you about the good things that are going on. Because conflict gets clicks, right? It's, it's popular. And headlines are geared to grab your attention because the world embraces and thrives on conflict. And we have different kinds of conflict that, that, we, that we see in our life. We have national con- conflict, right? Currently, in the world today, there are 36 ongoing conflicts, wars, that are taking place between multiple countries. Now, we know one, obviously, Russia and Ukraine. That's a big one. That's what's, that's what's on the news. That's what we see. It affects, and it's a big one, let's be honest. But that's just one of the 36 different wars that are going on. World War I uh, was deemed the war to end all wars. 
And in 1918, when it was over, since then, there have been 260 major wars. And uh, the United States has been a part of 102 of them. So conflict, it's global. It goes all across the world. There's, there's racial conflict, uh, where 60% of all hate crimes in the last year have been attributed to race or ethnicity. So conflict brings out prejudice. It's global. There's personal conflict. There's the first kind of personal conflict that is inner, interpersonal conflict, the kind of conflict that you and I never see in somebody's life, the stuff that we hide, that we are at war with ourselves in, right? And then there's the, the personal conflict the between you and me, between two people, or smaller groups. And uh, we see this in our legal system. Our legal system in the United States is the costliest legal system in the world. Because in the last, it was in the last 18 months, close to $480 billion will have been spent on settling conflict in the legal world. Crazy, right? And um, so conflict is personal. It's global. It's prejudice. There's marital conflict, right? In, um, in the United States alone, 45% of all marriages end in a divorce. 65% of second marriages end in divorce. 70% of third marriages. And it just gets worse and worse. And some of you have experienced that. doesn't mean it's, it's the, that it wasn't the answer. It's just the way it is. Conflict, it, it, it attacks our marriages. Conflict infects those closest relationships that we have with others. And then, of course, there's political conflict, which is terribly unexplainable. But election year, they're the worst. Election years are the worst. All the mudslinging, right, constantly degrading uh, the other person or the other party to the extremist con- uh, part, right? The extreme, because never common ground, we never get to talk about where we agree, it's always about where we disagree, right? Uh, Because getting along doesn't get you elected, basically, that's what that tells us. And so it's an angry, conflict is everywhere, it's angry disagreement between people or groups. And, And it's a virus that destroys our lives, and it's everywhere. And uh, uh, our world uh, is full of conflict, and it's become this way of life, hasn't it? It's, an e- it's so easy just to click on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever and jump in on it and be a part of the conflict. And it's, this is the conflict, it's kind of become one of the world's beatitudes. Last week we talked about how the world has its own way of living, right? And it's the world's beatitude, and conflict is definitely wrapped up in it because it's overwhelmed our, con- our, our culture. Unless, unless you're a Jesus follower. Unless um, you are a Christian who is daily seeking after the heart of God. It's not the, it's not the way of life for a Jesus follower. Instead of conflict, what does Jesus call us to be? He calls us to make peace, to be a peacemaker. So everybody say it out loud. Peace. Say peace. Peace. Now, inhale and say it as you exhale. Peace. Relaxing, isn't it? Yeah. Now, say conflict. 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 It makes you frown saying it, doesn't it? Now, inhale 
and try and say conflict when you exhale. It's not as easy. Now say peace again. We want to end on a good note. Peace. Say it. Not like we're, we're leaving. Oh, peace out, right? No. But uh, it just, it's, a, it's a soothing word in itself, right? And last week, we began to take a look at what it means to live in this world like Jesus would have his followers live. What it looks like to have the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's, that's what the Beatitudes are. It's just this way of living God's life, on the, the godly life in this world. And we are blessed. That's what we talked about, that we are blessed. And the Beatitudes all begin with, blessed are the, and it goes on. And it's not the blessed part. This word doesn't mean, like, um, it, it doesn't talk about material wealth or prosperity or power or influence. That's not what it's talking about. Rather, and basically, it's just not attached to the values of this world. That's what Jesus was trying to get the point across to. And these blessed people find blessings. Jesus gives uh, this, this in Matthew chapter 5, which is what we read. And if you want, you can turn there. We'll be there in just a moment. Uh, in Matthew 5, 9 through 12 is where we're focusing today. The blessings, there's blessings that go with the blessed. Poor, blessed are the poor in spirit. Where's the blessing? They will receive the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted, and in so on. And, in our, and it gets to our focus today, that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. So if I were to ask you, what's the opposite of war? We would probably think peace, right off the bat. That's, that's what we would say. If I were to ask you, what's the opposite of conflict? Hopefully, after today, you'll think peace, right? Uh, and in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he, he tells us very early on, uh, he's setting the tone for how he's trying to, to shape a godly life on the earth. That blessed are the peacemakers, ones who not only avoid conflict, but like we'll talk about later, promote peace to others, for they will be called the sons of God. And peace is highly valued by God, right? It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Basically, one of the ways, the result of living God's way, and it reflects a lifestyle that God would, would reflect. And the word peace, it's used very liberally throughout the whole Bible. Um, peacemaker is only used once here in our, in our text in, in uh, Matthew 5. But the word peace is used over 400 times alone in the New Testament. In every book except for one, okay? So it's an important theme throughout the New Testament as, as we head into what the early church was experiencing. One popular Greek scholar and Bible teacher, she explains that the, that the Greek word for peace, it signifies this harmonious relationship. That's, that's what peace looks like. That all these relationships that we encounter um, between in our own lives. It's this harmonious inner working of relationships. That's what peace looks like. Our relationship with God is a harmonious relationship between, uh, between he and, uh, and me, right? And peace doesn't refer to the absence of war, not in, in this sense. But peace, it, it talks about the presence of reconciled relationships, that re relationships that have been reconstructed 
in a godly way. So the absence of war really is really a truce, right? Ceasefire, right? A treaty of some sort. But peace, it's more than just not fighting. Peace is more than just con- not, no conflict, no existence of conflict. Peace is experiencing reconciliation, okay? And, and I think that if we, we took two seconds in our life to think back um, in our relationships that we find that we feel at our peace, that's true. Because we don't always get along, but we have the ability to re- reconcile those. Re- and so there, that's peace. It's experiencing reconciliation. And the term maker in this compound word, it's just a producer or a creator or the originator, right? And so you, you plug them together into, into this word that Jesus uses, blessed are the peacemakers, and it's one, uh, it basically, it just says it creates, it's someone that creates reconciliation. You're the inventor of reconciliation. That, that's your goal. And a more uh, maybe biblical or scriptural um, definition would be one who takes responsibility for reconciling broken relationships. It's our job. It's, it's one who takes responsibility. That's what Jesus followers do. If we're going to um, promote and reflect the, the heart of God and the kingdom of heaven on earth, we are people who take responsibility to reconciling broken relationships. And Jesus says this, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. And, and as Jesus followers, it's my responsibility as, as a Christian, as a pastor, but just as a person who loves God and follows God, it's my responsibility to pursue reconciling broken relationships in my life. In, in, in no matter who I encounter, if there is a wedge between us, between me and somebody, it's my job to pursue peace in that relationship, pursue reconciling that relationship as a Jesus follower yourself. It's your responsibility to pursue reconciling broken relationships. So how do we do that? What's a practical way to do this, right? How can we daily live that out and be a peacemaker in our life? Is it possible? Uh, Well, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, so it must be possible. Well, there, there's a couple of responsibilities that I think that uh, we need to focus in on. I've given us three today. Um, there's probably more. You could probably think of five more before we're done. And if you want to, send them to me. We'll talk about them next time, all right? But this is what, these are our responsibilities as people, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus as a way of life uh, to help us and others work on being peacemakers. The first responsibility is this. I'm responsible. Everybody say, I'm responsible. responsible. Okay, so it's on you now, okay? I'm responsible to share with others how they can have peace with God. That's the first responsibility of a peacemaker, that I am responsible to share with others how they can have peace with God. We have this responsibility to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. And you have peace. That's, that's what you're, we're, we're assuming, that as a peacemaker, that you're responsible. You have that peace already, that we promote that and let others know that they can have it too. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, I think it'll be up on the screen. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. That, and why do we need peace? Just out of curiosity, think about why do we need that? I know, well, it's a fruit of the Spirit. We should have that because God said we should have it. Well, here's the story. We all need peace. And it kind of goes along with grace, right? We are at conflict with God all the time. Why? Because we sin, yeah. And because we sin, sin separates us from God. It puts us in conflict with the heart of God. But faith in Jesus Christ, that's what Paul writes here in Romans, that faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and heart knowledge that He died for our sins gives us the opportunity to have peace with God. And if you are a Christian today, if you're a Jesus follower, that's what you are experiencing. That peace is what you're experiencing. And it's our responsibility to share that with everybody else that we know. Our relationship with God is reconciled because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's why we experience peace. And if you've not done that today, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus as your personal Savior today, you, you don't have to be at conflict anymore with Him. And all you have to do is pray and ask God to be your Savior and Lord. And, and you will have peace with God. You can do it right now. All you have to do is pray this prayer, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Forgive my sins, please. Cleanse me. Jesus, be my Savior. I want to follow you the rest of my life. It's that simple. You can do it right where you're sitting, right there. And I hope that if you haven't done that, that you've, you think about, do I want to be at peace with God or do I want to be in conflict with God? Because we want to be at peace with Him. And it's our responsibility to share with others that they can have peace with God. Our second responsibility is this. As a peacemaker, I'm responsible. Everybody say, I'm responsible. All right, own it now, okay? I am responsible to pursue peace in my relationships with others. I am responsible to pursue peace in my relationships with with others. It's not just, okay, you're a Christian and I'm a Christian, I'll seek peace with you, right? But it's everybody. It's not just I'm gonna I want to be at peace with God and that's all that matters. Now that's important. But it's our responsibility to pursue peace in our relationships with others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Okay, and to be holy. But make every effort to live in peace with who? With everyone. Who's part of everyone? Raise your hand if you're one of everyone. Yeah. So it's our job, uh, it's our responsibility as peacemakers to be at peace with everyone. Not just your family, right? Not just people that like the Jayhawks, right? Rock Chalk, great game yesterday, right? Not just people that believe like you. Not just people that are from the United States. Okay? Not just people that are in the same political party as you. The list goes on, right? Everyone. Pursue peace with everyone. And the word pursue, it implies a little sense of urgency, doesn't it? Right? It, it, it implies priority. That it's important that we pursue 
Um, and it's, it means we're aggressive. We're aggressively seeking peace with others. Why? Who's aggressively seeking peace with you? God. Right? It's our job as Christians to pursue peace with everyone. And will it always happen? No. Will you always reconcile that relationship? No, you won't. Because it's a two-way street, right? right? But it's our job. But the idea is that we do our part, right? And, and the reconciliation process. And the rest is out of our control. So in your relationships, do you pursue peace? This is important. Peace with God, it, it's very personal, right? The, the first one, the idea that, of making um, amends with God and, and becoming a Christian and then being able to share that peace with others. But in your relationships, it's my responsibility to pursue in my relationships. Well, do I pursue peace in my relationships? Am I, uh, am I a peacemaker in my relationships? Do your comments and your conversations pursue peace with those that are closest to you? Or do they instigate conflict? Right? Do your actions and your intentions towards others pursue reconciliation rather than uh, do, they, do they pursue reconciliation with those that are closest to you in your life? Because we get sideways with family members. We get sideways with those that we love, our closest relationships. And we have to do our part in pursuing peace because I am responsible to pursue peace in my relationships with others. And the, the third uh, responsibility is this, third responsibility of a peacemaker. I am responsible. Do it. A eh, little better. Okay, we're getting there. We should have had eight or nine of them. We only have three. I am responsible to seek to bring peace between others. Okay? This is in a whole other level, right? That means seeking peace to bring, to, seeking to bring peace between others kind of means that you're getting in somebody else's business a little bit. We're called to bring reconciliation wherever brokenness is found. So being a peacemaker is not just between the body of believers. Hey, we've... Uh, we are we're saved, and they're saved, and so I'm going to do my best to, to be uh, on, on the right terms with the Christians, but everybody else is off the books, right? It doesn't matter. We're create, it, it's for all of us, that are all, all those who are around us, too, right? Your neighbors, if they're, they're at odds with each other, it's our job to seek a way to find peace. It's it, with your coworkers. How many love working in a tense conflict-filled environment at work because there's two people in your cubicles or wherever on, on the line or whatever you're doing that can't get along because they don't like each other, right? So you want to find a way to make peace. It's true with our peers and our friends. When our friends aren't getting along, we should find a way to promote peace and seek peace between others. Where you see brokenness, where you see the need for reconciliation, you're called to be a peacemaker. That's the idea. This doesn't mean that you're the nosy neighbor that jumps in the middle of everybody's business and gives your solution to their problems, okay? Because we all have them, right? It's easy to be an armchair quarterback and, and know how to fix others. Well, maybe we should probably focus on ourselves, right? But what it means is that, you know, and we don't just sort of swoop in and 
you know, be the know-it-all that can fix everybody. That's not really peacemaking, okay? That's something different. And it doesn't mean that you're seeking out problems and imposing your solutions. But what it does mean is when you, when you see brokenness in a relationship between whoever, that you prayerfully and make peace by connecting the two broken parties in, in a godly manner, that, that you have some grace in the middle of it, that there's some compassion wrapped up in it. And it's not always easy, right? We don't take sides, because that would be an easy thing to do, especially if one of them's a closer friend than the other, right? We don't, we don't lobby for one side or the other. The goal is to eliminate brokenness. The goal is to seek peace between others, and that also means the hurt that goes with it. So, if, for example, on your social media, when you see somebody that is promoting a relationship that's in conflict, are your posts seeking peace or layering brokenness that you're just kind of stacking on, right? Are your comments making peace or are they making trouble? Are they, are they promoting more conflict? We're called to be peacemakers between others. And peacemakers between others, that can present some obstacles for us personally, can it? Okay? There, there's obstacles that we put in place because um, we get in our own way. And it's, it's simple. Why? Because we're human. And we see things from hopefully a godly perspective, but the worldly perspective jumps in there. And we have to be able to manage that. And so there, there's a couple obstacles that, that we kind of have to keep be careful for. One is an unforgiving spirit, right? I don't, I don't want peace for them. But, but it's my responsibility to seek peace, right? It's my responsibility to seek peace between others. Well, I don't want peace for them. I have this unforgiving spirit in my heart because I, de- I deserve to be offended. They deserve to be offended because somebody hurt them. That's the idea. Somebody did this to me. Somebody did this to them. And so we don't forgive. And then what does Jesus say? Well, forgive as I have forgiven you. And we get a little heart check, hopefully. Okay, so we don't want to have an unforgiving spirit. Um, taking up the offenses of another, okay, that's, a, that's another obstacle that we face. That we take the offenses of others and it's a, we get in our own way. Grace to forgive others that hurt you, that's a little easier because you're in control of that, right? But grace, grace for someone that hurts those that you love, that's a different story, isn't it? That's out of your control, and it's, it's hard to deal with, because I guarantee you that you hurt me personally, and we're at conflict, I, it's easier for me to manage, but if you hurt Angie, or Maya, or Jackson in, in a way that is not right, I'll get all Papa Bear on them, right? That's the way it goes. You, you, you get tense. There's conflict that just overwhelms you. And it's an obstacle. So what do you do when that happens? Well, you pile on, right? You make it worse. You end up creating more conflict than peace unless you're constantly pursuing peace with others. Another obstacle is that we just have a loose tongue about things. Our tongue gets out of control. The things that we say, the things that we post. Proverbs says that a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisper separates close friends. This tongue of ours gets us in trouble. 
And we gossip and we tear people down behind their back or in front of them. And that's an obstacle in making peace, don't you think? If you're talking bad about somebody right in front of them, it's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard for them to think that you're pursuing peace in their life. And so we share what we shouldn't share. And we post what we shouldn't post. And we become this untrustable person. And if you're a peacemaker, there's a level of trust in there. And there's absolutely no peace that's around an attitude like that. Then the last obstacle is just a lack of compassion. Okay? Well, I don't care. It's hard to make peace when you don't care. You know? It's not possible for a peacemaker to not care uh, and, and still be able to unite people and reconcile their lives. So I'm responsible to seek to bring peace between others. So there's a promise that goes with the peacemaker, right? All of these beatitudes have a, a, have a promise included. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Notice the position that this puts the peacemaker in, right? Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus says, seek to restore your heart with God. Seek to restore your relationships. Seek to, re to restore the relationships of others. That's what he's saying. Blessed are the peacemakers. And when you do this, Jesus says, I will call you the sons of God, right? No. Who, who says that? Jesus says, when you do this, you'll be recognized by everyone around you as the sons of God. When you do this, people will know who you serve. They will know who you follow. People will see Jesus on earth, the kingdom of heaven on earth right now when you are a peacemaker. And we know that there's conflict everywhere. We see it all the time. People are angry. They're triggered. They, they want to be enraged about something. It's almost like a passion of theirs. And people, they're disagreeing about anything and everything. Just turn on the TV for five minutes. And Jesus tells us today, if people want to find God, if people want to know what the kingdom of God can be, how it can be lived out on this earth right now, then they need to see peacemakers out of us out of those who follow Jesus. And, and they will seek brokenness in their lives and pursue reconciliation. That they'll see broken relationships and pursue reconciliation to reconstruct and rebuild things that have been torn down. They'll see brokenness in others and pursue peace for them. This is hard. It's so hard. And we talked about it last week. You know, there will be trials when you're persecuted for, um, for the evil that's done against you. I mean, who else but Jesus lived out this thing in life? And he was crucified for it. He was killed on purpose. He was murdered for living this way. But it's hard for you and me. Because it involves our own brokenness, right? It involves uh, it, us being at peace to start with. And listen, that's a daily thing. We wake up 
having to make the decision, God, I want to be at peace with you. God, I want you to help me be at peace in my relationships. God, I want you to help me be a promoter of your spirit in my life. And it's hard because conflict is not fun. I mean, how many of you love it? If it was fun, it'd be called funflict, you know? I mean, if you have something that you have to talk about with somebody, that's going to be hard. It's a, it's, a, it's a rough conversation. Do you just run over there and do it right away? Probably not. You like him and haw around it. And even when you face-to-face, get face-to-face with it. If Dylan and I had something going on and we were at conflict, we would probably talk about the weather and something else and three or four other things. Eventually, we would get to the heart of the problem, right? Conflict is hard to overtake. But the promise is this, that you will be called the sons of God. That people will recognize you for, uh, as a follower of Jesus. People will see you and point out to others, not that, that we're Jesus. They probably won't even say that. They don't know that if they don't have that experience in their life, they don't understand that. But what they'll say is, man, they didn't really respond the way I thought they would. Man, they really cared to, <coughs> excuse me, to make sure that the two of us were on the same page. That, that was different. That's what happens. We'll be known as the sons of God, the, the reflection of God on this earth. So this week, can we do something? Can, can we start recognizing conflict? Because the easiest way to build peace and to reconcile relationships is to see what's happening in our lives, right? That we recognize the conflict that, that's around us. See it on TV, that'll be easy, right? Okay? On social media, that'll be pretty easy too, okay? But in our own relationships, can we see where there's conflict? Can we melt it down and analyze it and look at it and say, oh, I should probably do something about that. I should say something, and, and we need to get back to where we're at peace with each other. Wherever we go, let's recognize this week conflict. And you are responsible. I am responsible to pursue peace. To pursue peace, uh, I'm responsible to, to make sure that others know that they can have peace. And if you're living your life like, uh, um, like you don't have peace, people aren't going to want to be like that. So if you're trying to promote, you can have peace too, just like me. And they look at your life and go, whoa, I don't want to live that way. So we want to have the right attitude about it. We need to pursue peace in our own relationships, and we need to pursue peace and seek to restore peace in other people's lives too. And let's begin to be the peacemakers that Jesus called us to be. Begin to look and to live like people that are at peace with Jesus on this earth. Is that doable this week? Should be easy. You're all looking forward to it, right? It, it starts by prayerfully considering every day. How am I going, who am I going to choose to serve? Am I going to serve myself and promote conflict and pile on and 
be a mess and I'm going to gossip and I'm going to say three things about them. Because, well, even if it's true, we don't say it, right? That doesn't promote peace. That we seek forgiveness in our own lives. That we make sure that the first step, that we are at peace with God because of our relationship.